Welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I'm a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington. We're a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Faith is a welcoming community. We're growing closer to and more like Jesus. We want to make Christ known, uh, joyfully serving each other, our neighbors, and all creation. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. And I want to thank you for listening today. Today's topic is, has to do with suffering. And I know a lot of you out there know all about, and more than me, about chronic suffering. Maybe it started with a childhood trauma or a mental illness. Maybe you've been dealing with cancer or an old back injury. Maybe there's a, a deep loss in your past or a genetic condition or PTSD. And maybe it's you that knows about suffering firsthand, or maybe you've been caring for a loved one for a long time. Today, we're going to just what do we do with that? How do we cope year after year? So today in in the Bible reading, there's a woman who has lived with a debilitating back condition for 18 years, and then Jesus heals her. 18 years. How did she do it? I hope that today's podcast Uh, at the end of the day, that that we convey a sense of God's mercy and faithfulness no matter what you're going through these days. I hope that today God's word sets you free, that God's word brings you healing and freedom. I hope today's message will help you care for others as they suffer. Let's read from Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 10. It says, On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she was straightened up, and she praised God. But indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Now, when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are in Luke chapter 13, and we have this story about a time that Jesus is preaching in a synagogue on a Sabbath day. A synagogue, that's uh, uh, made up of a local group of Jewish believers. They would gather every week on their holy day, Saturday, the Sabbath, uh, to hear the scriptures and maybe listen to a sermon. They'd sing psalms. They'd pray. They'd catch up with the latest news. And maybe some of them went out to Denny's afterwards. It was basically church. Anyway, one of the ladies from this synagogue, from this congregation, it turns out had a debilitating back injury. For 18 years, she had endured chronic pain, discomfort, and disability. Crippled and bent over, Luke describes her. Unable to stand up straight for 18 years, the poor thing. 
This particular morning, Jesus is the guest preacher at this synagogue. And right there in the middle of his sermon, looking at this woman in the congregation, he calls out to her to come forward right here, right now in the middle of church, in in front of everyone. She makes her way forward and, and to her surprise and to the delight of nearly everyone, Jesus proclaims her healed and as he lays his hands on her back, that crippling spirit is removed. Her back is strengthened. Her her spinal cord is restored and realigned and she stands tall and proud and free of pain for the first time in 18 long years and she begins praising God. Maybe she pulled out Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. For God forgives our sins and heals all our diseases. And the rest of the congregation recognizes the psalm. They begin to join in on the chorus. But then the pastor, the the synagogue leader, he'll he'll have none of this. He responds to this miraculous healing with this incredulous, grumpy indignation. He's harumphing something about improper Sabbath observance. I mean, who says something like that? What's his deal? And Jesus calls him on it. Jesus is like, hey, you know, if we care for our farm animals on the Sabbath, how much more should God set free his precious daughters and sons on the Sabbath? This healing was an act of liberation. It was a Sabbath event. Jesus had set this woman free from the bondage of this crippling spirit. Jesus essentially had granted her a divorce. This disease, this suffering, no longer had any authority over her. She was released from her bondage to the illness. Her condition no longer could define her. It could no longer tell her what to do or be anymore. And that's what Sabbath was all about in the first place. Sabbath is a gift from God that has always stood for freedom. Egypt had made Israel into slaves, and and God didn't like that. And so God rescues Israel from their slavery, brings them into the wilderness. And and the very first thing that God does after he set them free is is to create an enforced weekly Sabbath. See, God provided the people with everything that they needed in the wilderness, including food coming down from heaven that would show up six days a week. But on the seventh day, no manna would show up. There was no work to be done on the seventh day because God wanted to teach them a new pattern. A new pattern that says, God provides you with everything you need and six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall do no work for I am the Lord your God. Later in in Deuteronomy, the commandment about Sabbath says this, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. Why? Because remember, the scripture says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of that with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was a reminder of the people's liberation. The Sabbath day was a reminder that the people were free. The synagogue leader had it all wrong because, in fact, the Sabbath was the perfect day to set that daughter of God free from her bondage. 
And so Luke leaves us with this picture of a humbled synagogue leader bent out of shape, juxtaposed with this now upright woman standing in the midst of the congregation offering praise to God. It's a great story of liberation, a story of healing, a story of love on the Sabbath. But it's also a story that... that, um, addresses the question of suffering. I mean, the gal had this condition for 18 years. I see a lot of suffering in my line of work uh, back in my hospice days and continuing today uh, as, a, as a pastor, as a human being, as a son, as a, as a husband, as a, as a father. I see cancer. I see homelessness. I see mental illness and addiction. I see broken families. I see grief and I see loss. Suffering is all around. And I wish I could fix it. I wish I could explain it. And today especially, I wish I could come up with a 20-minute sermon that would adequately address the, the fact of suffering and how God somehow makes it all better. But I don't know if I can do that. But here's what I can say at this point. I can tell you that I don't know why there's so much suffering in the world. I can't imagine the pain and grief and agony of so many people, of what you're experiencing these days. But I can tell you and acknowledge that your suffering is real. I'm so sorry for your pain. I want you to know that you're not alone. I also want to be able to tell you that, that um, the Bible is, is pretty skeptical of most of the explanations that are out there for suffering. The, the entire book of Job, it's an Old Testament book, it's dedicated to the question, why do bad things happen? And, and, and its conclusion can be summarized by a collective and indeterminate shrug of the shoulders. Why do bad things happen? Oh, But what we can admit and say with certainty is that suffering happens and that we are all mortal, which means that we are a system of flesh and bones and cells and DNA. And because we're mortal, because because we are these systems of flesh and bones and cells and genes, we age, we wear out, we deteriorate, and eventually all of us dies. And it is often a painful process. Why does suffering happen? Certainly some of it is a result of choices that we make, consequences of our decisions. Sometimes suffering is related to the choices that other people make. And some of our suffering is simply a result of the wideness and wildness of life on planet Earth. Accidents happen, and so do storms and floods and pandemics and genetic mutations. I want you to... It's dangerous... And it's largely unfruitful to try to assign reasons for suffering. Let me just put that out there. Now, if you're feeling overwhelmed with a sense of guilt or shame about something and you need to talk about it, I'm there for you. Let's talk. If you're concerned, if you've been reading the Bible and you, and you read a couple of, of those Wrath of God passages, I'd be happy to discuss with those and put those with you and put them into context and, and understand what those might mean for our lives today. But I want you to know that the weight of biblical evidence urges us to trust the mercy and goodness of God. 
that God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Bible says that over and over again. That God is not so petty as to use random suffering as a means of punishing us when we make mistakes or to coerce us into being good little boys and girls. Again, from Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Did you hear that? God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, in the same way Yahweh has compassion on those who fear him. For God knows, God knows how we are formed. God knows that we are dust. No, no, no. The main teaching of the Bible regarding suffering and God's attitude towards us is that that God sees us in our suffering. God is compassionate and gracious, the Bible insists over and over again. And so God sees you in your suffering and God has compassion for you. God promises to be with you promising that not even suffering and death can separate you from God's love. That's what's going on in this story, right? This, uh, the, the compassion of God is personified in Christ Jesus, and in particular in this story, Jesus is here in the midst of the congregation. He sees this woman just as she is and bids her to come to him just as she is. She doesn't have to get her life together first. She doesn't have to get her poop in a group. She doesn't have to repent. She doesn't have to pretend that she's something that she's not. She doesn't have to say all the right words. Jesus bids her come. And Jesus is the one who lays hands on her and and his goodness and and health and freedom is transferred from, from his hands into her back and Jesus sets her free from the suffering that had ruled over for over her for 18 years. Jesus released her from her bondage to that illness. That disease could not tell her who she was anymore. Jesus knew then and and declared that she is so much more than her diagnosis. And in in obedience to his command, the woman is healed. She stands tall and she offers praise to God. And the woman is lifted up. The congregation is lifted up. The name of the Lord is lifted up. And that grumpy pastor is humbled, (laughs) brought low, bent out of shape. Let me leave you with a few suggestions for applying today's word for your life today. Rule number one, don't be like the grumpy pastor, amen? Don't make somebody else's healing story and liberation somehow an assault on your, <laughs> on your life. It's not about you. Don't be like the grumpy pastor. Number two, remember the Sabbath. Learn and live into, the, into God's rhythms of freedom. When we gather together on a Sunday morning or, or however we do it, that we, we listen to and we sing and we practice both songs of lament and songs of praise. We come to the house of God just as we are and we expect miracles. Number three, show compassion to those who suffer, including yourself. 
And since just about everyone at any point in time is suffering, let me say it be even clearer. Please just be kind to everyone all the time, okay? Including yourself, okay? Number four, everybody suffers. Everybody dies. And therefore, I want to urge you, don't be afraid to talk about healthcare options with each other. Don't be afraid to talk about death and dying with each other. Don't be afraid to talk about things like end-of-life care, quality of life decisions, wills and wealth distribution. This is the stuff of mortals. We need to talk to each other. <laughs> Number five, this is most important. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your diagnosis no matter what anybody else says, you are a precious child of God. And you are valuable. You are loved. You are glorious. You are not defined by your situation, your suffering, your choices, or anyone else's choices. You are created in the image and likeness of God. So put your hope in the God who sees you and loves you just the way you are. And that's what I've got for you today. Thanks for listening. Our website is www.faithshelton.org. This podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple and Google. I'm coming up on about 100 episodes of this, uh, of this show, and I'm humbled that people still tune in. I hope you'll like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for our newsletter. Chaz produces his podcast every week. Thank you, Chaz. Nadia helps out on the website and YouTube channel. Thank you both. And thank you, people of faith, for your faith, your living, daring confidence in God's grace as we journey through this wilderness together. So may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.